Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Informative and entertaining. This is The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Think about this number. In the last six years, more than 80,000 people, more than 80,000 people have been killed or disappeared in the Mexican drug war. And my guest has been threatened with death by drug cartels. We'll have the real story of the Sinaloa and other Mexican drug cartels. But first, I want to remind you of a hoax that was reported on globally this past week. And the hoax was that ISIS is threatened, not by Barack Obama, but by Joaquin El Chapo Guzman, the head of the Sinaloa drug cartel in Mexico. That was the story, as reported. It suggested, the story said that uh, El Chapo Guzman had sent a message to the head of ISIS, threatening that if ISIS continued to disrupt his business operations in the Middle East and destroy the cartel's drug shipments, that the Sinaloa cartel men would hunt down ISIS and tear out their tongues and hearts. I should have warned you, that could be difficult to hear, huh? Uh, there's the widely reported on hoax. Well, how about the truth about the drug cartels? Alfredo Corchado is the Mexico City bureau chief for the Dallas Morning News. He specializes in covering the drug wars, corruption among uh, police and government officials, and the spread of drug cartels internationally. And uh, Alfredo's book is Midnight in Mexico. He's been on this program before, and it was a it's an internationally award-winning uh, journalist, and what he's, what he's told me in the past was chilling. And, uh, Alfredo, thank you for taking the time to come back. I really appreciate it. Well, it's, it's great to be back. Um, greetings from Mexico City. And, and yes, it was, uh, it was a great story. To, I guess too good to, to be true. But uh, with Chapo Guzman, I mean, he really sets the bar high. So I guess that story is almost unbelievable. Did, you know, when you first heard it, what was your immediate reaction? Um. I didn't really believe it because I thought uh, the Mexican cartels, I mean, they don't, they're not going to seek out that kind of attention by going after a, a terrorist group. I mean, that's really not the way they operate. Uh, and that would just generate way too much attention. Yeah. So I, I had my doubts, but, uh, you know, I mean, these days on, on the Internet, I mean, as a reporter, that's something you, you have to be really, really careful and, 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 and look at. I mean, I remember the night when Chapo uh, escaped from prison. Uh, I was somewhere in Texas. It was after midnight. And I saw that, and I also thought, this is this can't be true. I mean, this guy escaped once. There's no way he can escape again. So, you know, it's it's just something that you you learn to, especially with Chapo's mind, I mean, you learn to look at and then, and then uh get away from the sense of disbelief and check, 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 and, and just, you know, confirm the story. All right. It's uh, yeah, so important with uh, social media, particularly, to just fact-check as much as, much as you can, and you can still get caught because some some people are so inventive and so clever and create trails that really lead to nowhere, and if you don't follow them all the way to the end, you think you have a story, but, but you really don't. Um, You've been threatened by drug cartels, and uh, you received a phone call. You write about it in your book in 2007, July of 2007. You share that with my listeners? What happened? Uh, sure, Roy. It, uh, July 
July 2007, and I, I think this is a kind of a lesson for anyone who covers drug traffickers. I mean, they love attention. You know, it just depends on the kind of attention. They love to be uh, songs written about them, corridos, and so forth. But I was getting, I think, a little too close to uh, the follow the money theory. You know, following the money, and and by by the way you follow the money, you also follow the associations. So in my case, I was following. Uh, the cartels and the ties to corrupt government officials. Um, which is July 2007, I get a phone call from a, uh, a trusted U.S. Uh, source, intelligence agent, who asked me, you know, where are you now? And I said, I'm in Mexico City. Where exactly? I said, my apartment. And he said, we have information that uh, the CETAS, one of the uh, major organizations of the paramilitary group in, in Mexico, had threatened to kill an American journalist within 24 hours, and he said, uh, "I think that journalist is you, and I, I, you know, I get out if I were you." Um, and there began. I mean, again, you know, I guess you go back to the whole journalist thing, where you, you don't really believe it. It's, it's such a, it's such a incredible news that uh, my first instinct was, I, I have to check this out. I have to make sure it's true. Um, not that it was that unbelievable, because a lot of my colleagues in Mexico have been threatened, some have been killed. Obviously, it's, you know, here we are eight years later and the situation for journalists is, is even worse today. Um, so in that sense, it wasn't that unbelievable, but, but the idea that a trusted U.S. source would actually call me uh, really shook me up that, that day and, and for a long time, I mean, even to this day. I mean, it's, it's a thing that you never really get, a, uh, get over. Uh, it's something that I think sticks with you, stays with you, uh, especially when you're back in Mexico. Yeah, and because of because the rule of law is so it's so weak here that that's the reason why cartels, you know, will continue to not just go after journalists but the, the general population as well. And, and in the opening segment, you, you talked about eighty thousand uh, people killed or disappeared. I mean, the numbers that are used today in, in Mexico is really more than one hundred twenty thousand people wow. killed or disappeared since 2006 that's uh, staggering it, that's, it, it is a staggering figure and, and and you know I think one of the stories Roy that we never really have covered and, and this is something that I think it's a challenge to all of us as journalists whether you're an American journalist a foreign journalist uh, a Mexican journalist it's really the number of people who are buried in clandestine graves throughout Mexico I mean we don't know that number because some regions of Mexico are still so volatile uh, controlled by cartels, that it's very, it's very, very difficult, not impossible, to really go there and penetrate and investigate these issues. How do you do your, uh, how do you do your job? How do you do your work? You have, you're an investigative journalist. You're investigating these cartels. They've already threatened your life. Your wife is similarly engaged in uh, in in this kind of investigative journalism. How do you go to work every day, or how do you do your job, both of you? Well, you know, it's, it's a great question, and, and something Angela Kocherga, I mean, my colleague and, and, and partner, has said for a long time. Uh, we came, I mean, we, I was born in Mexico, Angela was born in Mexico City. We came back to Mexico to try to cover other stories. I mean, drug trafficking was not really the story we wanted to cover. But in many ways, the, the drug war came to us. And it became such an issue that uh, you could not ignore it. You could not look the other way. And we had to go in and, and cover it. And as I said before, you know, follow the money. 
but it's it's a kind of story where it is so so difficult because trust is such an issue. I mean, the corruption permeates all segments of of the Mexican government. That at times it feels like corruption is its own institution, and to try to develop contact sources uh, in Mexico, I think has always been the most challenging part of covering the story. Uh, but as, in the, as, as a journalist who covers both sides of the border, I think that's also been an advantage, you know, working for a paper like, like the Dallas Morning News, where you have to cover Mexico City, but also you have to cover both sides of the border uh, and cover Washington, D.C. So somewhere along the line, you always sort of, you know, find little tidbits or find little lines of investigation, and you just follow them, but you're constantly checking with proven sources, good sources, who will sort of, you know, help you pave the way to try to avoid uh, some of the corrupt officials or some of the corrupt sources who may get you in trouble. Um, it's, it's a very, very difficult situation. And I think it's important to note that, yes, I was born in Mexico, but I have a U.S. passport, and I think that gives me the kind of protection that my colleagues in Mexico really, really lack, because, again, more than 95% of the cases against journalists and the population as well uh, goes unsolved. In other words, if you're a killer, you have a 95% chance that you're going to do your job and get away with it. You know, that in and of itself is uh, a terrifying number. So many numbers in the, in the stories you're telling uh, are, are terrifying when you consider what your job is, what your requirement is, is to find the truth, tell the truth. Uh, in one of the interviews you gave, you said that the conviction rate, and you just said it again, in Mexico is about 5%. So either the police and the prosecution are pretty poor, or some folks in the judiciary are highly and, and, and highly placed are intimidated or compromised. So there's a lot going on. Alfredo, can you uh, stay with us just a little bit longer? I'd be happy to. Roll. Okay, let me take a quick break, and we're going to come back, and we're going to talk more. Uh, with the author of Midnight in Mexico, Alfredo Corchado. It's the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. An opportunity to step up and support Canada's military veterans through the True Patriot Love Foundation. And Canada's CRSL team is proud to stand beside the men and women who wore our country's military uniform and form ranks with the True Patriot Love Foundation, assisting our CAF veterans through family and health support, physical health and rehab, and mental health and well-being. So how can you help? Use the CRSL.ca web store along with the TPL11 code to purchase your quality of life improving and joint pain eliminating CRSL products. You'll save 11% and CRSL in turn will donate that 11% to the True Patriot Love Foundation in support of our Canadian military families where those families have the greatest need. So you can end your joint pain struggles with CRSL's wonderful line of products. Purchase through CRSL.ca, use the TPL11 code, and be a hero for our heroes. Sierra Sill, we're proudly Canadian. We go back to Alfredo Corchado. Midnight in Mexico is his book. He's the Mexico City Bureau Chief for the Dallas Morning News, an internationally award-winning journalist, and clearly a fearless journalist. I don't know how too, I don't know how I don't know how many reporters, how many journalists would take on uh, reporting on drug cartels after you've had your life threatened at least once. And uh, that's happened more than once, hasn't it, Alfredo? Well, it's, it, uh, I think it comes with the job when you cover uh, violence, drug trafficking in Mexico. I mean, again, you know, it's, uh, 
you have a government and and corruption, corrupt uh, organized crime organizations that are so meshed together that uh, I mean I remember covering you know the women of Juarez uh, back in the early 2000s and it just it's just something that happened. I remember talking to a colleague and I, she kind of said you know welcome to the game. I mean this is this is kind of what you get when you cover these kinds of stories. Mm-hmm. I think a lot more colleagues in Mexico would would be covering the story and many many of them do in a very courageous manner if there was much more protection from the government, even a little more protection from the government, I think you would you would uh, get to the bottom of a lot of these stories. Is this like, are there like, a, in effect, a parallel government, maybe a more powerful uh, government than the federal government of Mexico who create a, a parallel economy in Mexico? Is, there, is that a fair assessment? Well, I mean, I think, you know, I, I wouldn't go as far as to say that Mexico is a failed state as, as others have said. I mean, I think there are some regions in Mexico that you can debate, you can argue that they are failed regions. Uh, but when you have a government that's one, you know, has one of the largest economies in the world, uh, that government strives to be in, in the first world, I mean, you have to try to hold them accountable. Right. And again, when you have 120,000 people killed or disappeared, and I mean, some people say, you know, those are very conservative figures. You you want to, you know, you wish you that, that the government could at least get to a little bit of the truth. I mean, it's here we are in the fourth, almost the fourth year of the current government, and things are looking pretty dark. Uh, you have the Pope, uh, Pope Francis is coming to Mexico in February. It's going to bring a lot more attention to the issue, you know, drug violence and just the lack of uh, accountability in the part of the government. What's the future uh, do you think, and I'm just thinking this morning when I was getting ready for the interview, just in my prep, the Colombian cartels may not have disappeared, but their power, at least as it's perceived internationally, uh, has diminished dramatically. Is that true? And, uh, and and what's ahead for Mexico and the Mexican uh, drug cartels? What, when you look a couple of years down the road, what do you see? I think a couple of years down the road, I mean, Mexico's still muddling through it's kind of situation that it's going to take, you know, another generation, 20, 30, 40 years before you really begin to see significant change in Mexico. I mean, you, if you go to Colombia, Bogota, uh, people will argue and say, well, you know, uh, there's still a lot of violence, but the cartels are smaller, they're weaker, but they're still there. I mean, they're still around. And why is that? Because the, uh, drug demand is still very much in Canada very much in the United States, throughout the world. I mean, it's, it's, you've got to reduce the, the drug demand, but also I think governments uh, like Mexico, like Colombia, I mean, they have to do a much better job of strengthening uh, rule of law. And societies are going to have to learn how to hold governments accountable. And to do that, you know, you need a, a, I mean, a big part of the puzzle is journalism. I mean, journalism has to work. It has to shine the light for the population. So when I look down the road from Mexico, I mean, it may not happen in my lifetime, but I think, you know, it, it will someday, but it's going to take a long, long time. It's going to take uh, a pop, you know, a society much, much more engaged and much, much more active. Plus, I think the international uh, community, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm glad that you're talking to me about this, Roy, because it's always important for Canadians and Americans and people around the world to understand what's going on in Mexico. And it's not just the Middle East, but it's, it's Mexico as part of North America. Yeah. And you talk about needing to tell the story. 
I have such respect for journalists who are courageous and do not back off and tell the stories that need to be told. And in, in um, Midnight in Mexico, um, I mean, you've, you've written about and talked about Mexican journalists who have information that they're afraid to release because of the repercussions they could be facing. And, and then they will give their stories to other non-Mexican journalists so the stories are told. Um, I mean, what kinds of stories cause this sort of news dissemination pipeline? I mean, it's still very much the case today. I mean, that, um, and, and today, you know, the, the, the issue with Mexican journalists is it's two fronts. You have the drug cartels, organized crime, threatening you, and people, I mean, these are the people who sort of tell you what you can write or not write or report or not report, and it's done through a messenger. Some people call them enlaces, other people call them alcones, but they're messengers who will call you every day, hey, Roy Green, uh, you can say this today or not, or say, or not say that today, blah, blah, blah. I mean, they, they have that kind of control. The other control comes from the government advertising, uh, where, you know, you, uh, newspapers, media companies are so, so dependent on advertising from the government that the government really controls the kind of stories you write. So the censorship comes from both sides. And, and, and yes, I mean, in the middle, you have these very, very courageous, conscientious colleagues who at times will say, you know what, I can't report this. Let's meet. Oftentimes, you meet on the U.S. side of the border, and they will sit down and they will tell you. And, and it's usually stories that involve corruption, that involve the, um, the, just the relationship between corrupt authorities and, and, and organized crime. Alfredo, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me today. It'll be really, um, I think it'll be important to our listeners to hear as well, because Canada, the United States, and Mexico, of course, part of uh, Make Up NAFTA. And uh, the work that is done by journalists and the work that's done by you is incredibly important. Thank you so much. All the best. Boy, it's always a pleasure. Thank you. We'll stay Happy in touch. Holidays. Yeah, and to you. Okay. Alfredo Corchado, um, Dallas Morning News, Mexico City, Bureau Chief. And Midnight in Mexico is his book. It is an incredible read. An incredible read. And those journalists, they're um, special people. We'll come back in a minute.